0: Let us pray. Father, thank you for bringing us here together in your name. I pray that you would open the eyes of our hearts, that you would help us to see what you want us to see, open our ears that we hear from you what you want to say to us, and lead us in your truth. In Jesus' name, amen. By his own admission, Levi was rude. Well, nowadays that doesn't really mean much, does it? But Levi was on vacation, and he'd taken his family down the road, down to North Carolina, or we should say up from Texas. They were up in North Carolina, and he saw a little donut shop by the side of the road, and so he pulled over to buy his family some of those decadent, warm treats. He got out, put his mask on his face, and walked in very dutifully. And uh, he walked up to the lady behind the counter. He said later that he should have noticed that she looked very troubled and disturbed, but he didn't pay any mind at the time. And he said, I want, and at that moment she said, Sir, would you please put on your mask? looked his full height down at her and he said excuse me I don't think we'll be getting any donuts and he turned around and walked as he got to the door he said you were rude and he probably slammed the door behind him got in his van and took off thinking I really showed her and as he went down the road um, replaying what had just occurred and feeling pretty proud of his machismo, this little voice started speaking to him and saying, yeah, you really showed her, didn't you? Did you show her Jesus? Did you show her kindness and grace and love and compassion? Well, as you know, when God starts talking, you have to listen and so. Levi, as he listened, started slowing his van down and then he had to make a U-turn in the road and he went back to the donut shop and he walked up to the lady who was still standing there. And this time he walked a little slower and a little more humbly and he had his mask on and he said, in front of all the other customers and in front of the staff, he said, Ma'am, I have to apologize to you. I am so sorry. I was rude to you. And the woman just burst into a smile. And they started talking. And he gave her his order. And she said, it's been really tough for us here. We don't know if we're going to make it from day to day. I don't know about my staff. But I just appreciate your coming back. It meant so much to me. And so he paid for his donuts and walked out the door. He got into his van, didn't say anything for a few minutes. And then he knew he had to explain to his wife and his children what he had done and how he had been rude. That woman did not need his machismo mo. She needed some of Jesus' love. She needed his Christian witness. She needed his light. So I was thinking about that. I was thinking about Levi's story, and I was thinking about Paul's intense passion that people, especially his people, would come to know Jesus. Well, folks, here we are in a global pandemic with financial stresses, with people disturbed, with civil unrest. I could go on and on. You, you know what I'm talking about. Um, and as I started thinking about all this, I thought, is it possible that we as the church could be in the most opportune time of our lifetimes to be light, to be love, to be Jesus Christ at this moment of time. Well, I thought maybe our friend Paul, whose letter we read a little earlier, I thought maybe Paul could give us a little direction about this because we know he was passionate about people knowing his Jesus. I've heard people say, and uh, from time to time, it doesn't, it doesn't happen infrequently. I'm really afraid. I'm, I'm, I'm so scared about what's going to happen. Well, nobody knows gonna, what's going to happen. And there's a lot of bad stuff going on. There's death and bankruptcies and people losing jobs and all that sort of thing. A lot of stuff that's bad is happening, and there, there are reasons to be fearful. But I went to my friend Paul to see what he'd have to say, and when he was talking in 2 Timothy, he said, God has not given us a spirit of fear. Not a spirit of fear, but of love, of power, and of a sound mind. We're not talking about denial. We're talking about that sound mind that says, let's look at this situation. Let's see how we can follow guidelines that will keep us and our family members and our community safe. And he's given us that power of the Holy Spirit in us to do what we need to do to reach out and to be the light in our community that this opportunity gives us and the love of Jesus Christ in our hearts shining out and blessing those people around us. And folks, you know, fear is contagious, but if you don't have it and you walk into a room, it changes the whole tone of everything. So God hasn't given us a spirit of fear. He hasn't given us a spirit of denial either. He wants us to have that sound mind, but he's given us power, love, and a sound mind. I've heard people say, you know, I can't help it, but, but I, I just seem to be so worried I'm so upset and I'm so anxious about everything. And there's a lot to be anxious about. Well, Paul had something to say about that, too. In his letter to the Philippians, he said, Be anxious for nothing, but in everything. With prayer and supplication and thanksgiving, make your requests known to God. So we pray and we thank him first. And then what happens? The peace of God that passes all understanding fills our hearts in Christ Jesus. That's good enough for me. God's peace. So do you see what I'm saying about opportunity? Yes, it's dark. Yes, we've got a lot of problems around us. But the light shines the brightest when it's the darkest in the darkest room when there's no light at all when there's no electricity even a little birthday candle gives a lot of light so we don't have a spirit of fear and we don't need to be worried or anxious because god's peace fills us why does it fill us because we know he's in control Nobody else is. God is. And we know that trusting in him, all things eventually turn out good to those who are the called according to his purpose. Well, I know, too, that people have real needs. I'm not whistling in the dark. I'm talking about a real opportunity that we have now to be the church. People have real needs. What does Paul say about that? He says, my God shall supply all your needs. Yeah, right. Sure he will. Well, if I want to tell you something, you don't believe me. You come right here 510 Belknap on Saturday morning and you'll see God supplying people's needs we're here to supply practical needs and I'll guarantee you there'll be somebody here to pray with you if you need somebody to help to lift your load there'll be people here who will listen to you who will talk with you because God intends through the church to supply our needs according to his riches in glory. And I don't think his riches are minimal. So God will supply our needs. My grandson has been staying with me a while this summer. He's been working at the Catholic workers' house, working with homeless people. And every day Sam comes home and he will tell me a story that he's heard from these people. He helps to feed them, and one of his really big jobs is to listen to them. And he said, Grandma, they just tell me over and over, Sam, don't stop what you're doing. Just keep listening and keep coming and keep being here with us. That's what we really need. He told me stories about abuse and, and a lot of the terrors that homeless people experience. One thing he didn't say, though, Not one homeless person came to him and said, Sam, I am so bored staying at home. I can hardly wait for things to get back to normal. You know, they don't complain about not having to stay at home because they don't have a home to stay in. They don't have a home to stay in. Well, I wondered... Did, did Paul have any times when he was shut down or shut up or shut in? Well, okay, clergy, did he? They're nodding their heads. He sure did. In fact, he had more than one time where he was shut in in some quaint Asian jails. And what did Paul do when he was quarantined? Well, one thing he did, he always did this over and over. He's almost annoying with this. But he always rejoiced. It didn't matter. Paul always rejoiced. Why did he rejoice? That set him apart from the worldlings around him. And can you see how our bubbling joy, genuine, will be a light to those people around us? Anyway, Paul is in jail. He rejoiced. I know that he sang. He prayed, um, and we don't find any record where he complained about the pillows or the lousy food in the jail. But what he did do, he asked for paper and pen so that he could write letters. He wanted to write letters of encouragement to people, to pick up their spirits, to let them know he knew about the persecution and the difficult times they were in, but that God was there too. He wrote things like, um, it's God working in you to will and do of his good pleasure. And he who's begun a good work in you will continue it until the day of Jesus Christ. And he also said, um, be kind to one another. Love one another, forgive one another, even as God, for Christ's sake, has forgiven you. Paul took this time out of his regular travel schedule to think about other people and to encourage them. And I thought, you know, if if we're shut in and we're shut down, maybe we could take a clue from Paul and write letters and write cards, make phone calls. In the last four or five months, when I've called people, I have not had one person, not one, to say, Sorry, I'm too busy to talk. People right now really want somebody to talk to, somebody to listen to them. And if you don't know anybody like that, one more time, call Christ Church and they'll give you the names of some people who really want to be touched by God. So, what I'm trying to say, folks, is we have this incredible opportunity in this darkness, to be the light, to be the light of the world. Let's grasp the opportunity and do it right now. Amen.